if I change my first name, then they're not going to find anything that I post. Hello, beautiful people. My name is Adrian Pangilinan, and welcome back to Soul Supremacy, where we talk about all things unapologetic, excuse me, all things passion and things in pursuit of. And for today, we have another beautiful and lovely guest on my channel, y'all. I'm so excited. Um, this person <laughs> has been someone that I, I just told him that I wanted to. He's been on the list, actually, when I was uh, making the show. I made, I, I made a list, and I think it went up to about... <laughs> Over 25 for sure. And this person is definitely one of them. And this person is Drama Del Rosario. He is a, let me pull up my notes. Hold on so I can say this correctly. <laughs> a documentary filmmaker, Hollywood producer. Um, his pronouns are he and him. And ultimately, he is a BAFTA grant winner and BBS jury winner. Kapatid, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm doing really, really well, considering, you know, how the world is going. I'm doing relatively well, and I'm happy about that. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm a survivor. We're all survivors, and we're adapting. We're adaptable, <laughs> and somehow, some way, we're still thriving, you know? And we make do. We make do with what the world has given us. Yes, especially being Filipinos. We are freaking <laughs> resilient. Freaking, mm -hmm. freaking resilient. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay, Kapatid. So before we get started, I just wanted to get started with some icebreaker questions. So the okay. first one is, what are three things about you that people wouldn't normally know from meeting you for the first time? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hmm. First one would be how I got the name Drama. So I have a really, really long um, Filipino name, which is Aaron Marcus Advincula Del Rosario. If you put my last name at the start, Del Rosario Aaron Marcus Advincula. So that's D-R-A-M-A -A as my initials. So that's oh, how wow. I got the name Drama. My sister discovered it. She was like, mm. I think I was in high school. She discovered it and she was like, hey, did you know that your initials spell Drama? And I was like, oh, okay. This, <laughs> there's something here. And then, like, and then it clicked. I used it for... Um, you know, like my films and like all art related stuff and people remembered me and I just kept that name um, ever since. Did you Everyone feel like in the professional world knows me as drama? Yes. Did you feel like I, okay. So I'm going to be honest. I, I like, I, did, did you feel like, how did you feel when, like when you made that decision to um, go by your stage name as drama, did you feel like it fit you? I feel like it fit me really well. I also did it at that time. I was in high school and I was out to my parents, but they were very homophobic at that time. Mm. This was around 2009. And that this was when Facebook was becoming a thing. Yes, And so yeah. like my parents were starting to get a grasp on Facebook and then they started stalking me on Facebook. Mm. And at that time, my, my family would call me Marcus instead of drama. Um, mm. So everyone in my family calls me Marcus. So all my Facebook profiles were Marcus Del Rosario. And then oh, when wow. I found out that they were stalking me, I was like, maybe if I change my first name, then they're not going to find anything that I post. So I switched all of my social media accounts to Drama Del Rosario, and they couldn't find all the little gay things that I would post online. <laughs> for for how long? <laughs> for like a couple years, I think. I think up until college, like they didn't um, find wow. me. Yeah. Dang. 
That's crazy. <laughs> and, and, and you know, too, I guess what I really wanted to say was that I, I do really feel like the name fits you in like the best way possible because our friend over here is very, very bubbly. And, you know, like he definitely <laughs> lives up to the name Madrama. Ganon. <laughs> yes and no. I definitely feel like there are some very like chaotic, problematic people in this world who deserve the name drama more than me. Mm. But I'm happy with this name. <laughs> the, bir- the, the best person got it. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay um what's the next one um let's play along the line of of names um so outside of my professional life ev- everyone mm-hmm. calls me either aaron or marcus oh wow. so okay. marcus is what my family calls me and aaron is like my boyfriend all other like close friends and all of that i actually find it oh, weird wow. when people call me drama because like the, when i speak to myself i refer to myself as aaron so mm, wow yeah. <laughs> crazy okay one more one, one more, more. oh my one god spill the tea mm. uh okay another one regarding my name i hated the name marcus i hated it so much i hated it so much because when i was growing up in elementary school we would learn about martial law and marcus sounds like marcos oh, um okay <laughs> what like, and everyone uh, would like how's it spelled So my Marcos is with a U and then ex-president Marcos is with an O, but they sound alike. And so every time we would talk about martial law, people, my classmates would be like, oh my God, that's you. (laughs) And I'm like, stop, "Stop, that's not me. His name just sounds like me. Um, Oh yeah. I just hated that name growing up just because of who it was associated to. So yeah, those are my three names. (laughs) Is it okay? Okay, just okay. Just one um, offset question. Um, is that what it is? Like your full name that you mentioned? I'm assuming that's what's on your your um, your driver's license, right? Like on my birth certificate, <laughs> on my passport. Like literally, Aaron Marcus Advincula del Rosario. Aaron Marcus is my first name. I have two first names. Advincula um, is my middle name, which is my mom's maiden name, and then Del Rosario mm. is my last name. So my whole name is five words. So, <laughs> wow. Would you like? Another random question. I'm, I'm like, I'm inter- interested. Um, would you ever consider like uh, legally changing it to drama, or what are your thoughts? On I that? don't know. Maybe not because I really, really like Aaron. I really like. I feel like Aaron is such a nice name. Every time you alphabetize a list, mm-hmm. Aaron is at the top. A A R O N. Um, yeah. And drama, like I don't know if I would legally change my name to drama, yeah. but maybe like as a business name or as like a yes. doing business as type thing. Yeah, because I mean, because in the end, I I mean, I guess in the end, you really don't need to write because like if you think about it, Coco Martin, what's his, uh, that, that's not his name. That's not his, you know, that's his stage name. It's like, um, mm-hmm. I'm blanking out, but that's not his name. Um, Julia Montes uh, mm-hmm. is like Mara Shnitska, you know, it's like so, mm-hmm. it's so different, <laughs> but then it sounds like them at the same time, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, my friend. So my next question for you is, what does your morning routine look like if you have any of some sort? Ooh, that is a good question. So I wake up around like, I don't know, my my body clock has been so messy. I can wake up anytime from like 7 a.m. to 12 noon. But usually first thing I do (laughs) when I wake up, (laughs) first thing I do when, when I wake up is have my apple cider vinegar honey cinnamon drink thing apparently like cleanses your body and makes like Mm. helps you like eat healthier throughout the day i don't know i just really like it i've I've switched 
um, I've eliminated coffee from my diet and I've switched to the apple cider vinegar with honey and cinnamon. And it has just helped me so much. I sleep Mm. better. I eat better. Um, So yeah, I have, I have that. That's what I have in the morning. That's my morning routine. Nice. Sometimes clean the apartment to like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, like empty my thoughts and whatever. I hate starting the day with um, my, starting my work day with a messy apartment. So sometimes while having my drink, I tidy up. Yeah. You know, actually, that's what I did before. I was like, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I could, no, I, 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 I couldn't. I was like, I just need to tidy, tidy this up because, yeah, you just can't. So, <laughs> um, so is it safe to say that then after like then and there that you like get to work? Like, I, I guess I'm curious too, like, like, how do you ease it into your work day? Is it like a hard, like, I got to get into work? And then, <laughs> or maybe some days I'm like, I'm going to, like, you know, crawl my way into like work. Like, ease in. Yeah. <laughs> no, it in, really, you know? like, it really, really depends for me, for, like, me, honestly. It really depends on how tidy my environment is. I literally Ooh. cannot work if there's a mess on the table, if the couch is messy, if the pillows are everywhere and all of that. Like, I need a tidy place. I'm a Virgo. I'm a very organized person. Okay. Um, so as long as the the environment around me is nice and tidy and organized, then I can ease into work properly. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. I cannot work with a messy apartment. I just can't. Like I can, like my eye will go like mad. <laughs> You'll go bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so actually that actually does a perfect segue to my next question, which is what is the best part about your line of work? Ooh. That I honestly like feel in my heart that I'm actually helping other people. Like honestly, like that, that sounds like such a cheesy you bullshit are. answer. You are. But like the 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 documentaries that I make. Um, you know, talking about like mental health and LGBT issues. And even my full-time job, I work as a lead video producer for Mm -hmm. Believe, which is a production company that specializes in content for people with disabilities and rare diseases. Like the the work that you, that we do, like, you know, it's going to go to a community or to people that are really going to need it. And that's just like Mm -hmm. really, I feel like that's just so satisfying because, you know, you could, you could, I could be working in production, but I could be making like some random fluff, like brainless content, which, yeah. you know, which isn't really that satisfying. It could sustain you, but not really that like, it, it doesn't feel like you're actually doing like your, your purpose in this world. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I like about the, the kind of nonfiction work that I do. Wow. You know what, actually I, well, I mean, I mean, good thing you actually brought that up because then at some point I was curious to see like if if you you know like what were you doing like what are you doing in terms of like 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 if you had a day job and how you're actually able to sustain yourself as a documentary filmmaker. But 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 you answered that. But actually, I think from my notes, I'm still gonna follow that up later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Favorite food. Oh my god! Wait. One wait. only one. Have, in my notes app, I have a complete. <laughs> list of my favorite food let's see do you want to i can only pick one oh my god can i read you like the the top 10 (laughs) should i just read like the whole list go just go read it just go read it (laughs) since Um, you have a list anyways why not right well um in no particular order by the way i'm just like reading it out loud 
Takis. I love Takis so much. The chips. Um, at some point, at, at some point, I was obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. But not anymore. It's horrible for your, you know, for for your stomach uh, the, the next day. Yeah, but because it's, it's so, so spicy. Good. Yeah. Also, try the guacamole flavor. It's so good. Oh, I've tried it. It's okay. so good. <laughs> next is just a simple bar of Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate. Just a simple bar on like a slazy day. Wouldn't you so say that? Bar. Wouldn't you say that? I Because I, okay, so I guess what I wanted to say was, wouldn't you say that that has a lot, or I guess that has a lot to do with like, like those kinds of chocolates, like especially like if like from if somebody were to send you like a bu- like buy a box or something like that, would, I feel like that would always be inside there. Those like, oh, yeah. just like imported, delicate, like simple bar, like no bullshit, no fluff, whatever. Just like a yeah. nice, simple bar of smooth chocolate. Oh my God. Like that makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> let's see what are the other interesting things in this um in this list um miso baked aubergines that's really interesting i don't know why i put that, that there but basically like eggplants um baked in miso paste miso paste like like miso soup like miso that- soup like the paste that oh, you okay. use oh, for miso paste. soup um oh my god okay, wait okay. here i think i actually know what my favorite food is um, now, okay. look, now that I'm looking at this list, um, Lunganisa, honestly, <laughs> love it so much. Literally, grew you up. Know what? <laughs> Kapatid, let me make, let me call Lunganisa right now to make a special appearance. Oh my god! <laughs> I bought. Wait, what kind? Uh, what is kind? the regular the red one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like yeah, my so favorite so- ones are Ilocos Lunganisa, mm-hmm. which is um, you, which I usually would get from like my grandmother, I think, or my grandfather's mm-hmm. side of the family, my dad's side of the family, basically. Yeah. Um, and then I also really love Lokban Lunganisa with um, it's it's a kind of Lunganisa that's from Lokban. It's like small and it's like red orangey. Um, it has a really nice taste. You have it with cinnamon vinegar. Um, yeah, I think Lunganisa would be my favorite food ever. Like out of this entire list, I think that's my top one. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. It's just like my comfort food. Me too. Me, me, me too. <laughs> I mean, it's like what you said about Takis. It's mm-hmm. not the most healthiest, you know, <laughs> but but on a on a cold day, on a hard day, any day, it's a good. Mm-hmm. It's it's always a good decision. Uh-huh. As long as you're ready to commit to like the stomach pain that's gonna happen the next day i don't know at yeah. least for me like my stomach oh, hurts you. the next day when i eat it but it's oh, just no. so worth it <laughs> do you what do you eat it with i'm curious just just the, the whole bag by itself the, maybe with oh, wait, like a not, diet coke oh wait oh wait uh, uh, the longanisa sorry oh, oh the longanisa um <laughs> with vinegar cinnamon vinegar um garlic rice garlic fried rice maybe okay. like a sunny side of egg Long silog, long long silog for breakfast, lunch, brunch, whatever, dinner, midnight snack. Yes, love it so much. Yes. See, I knew, I, I, I knew there was a reason why, like you and I click when we first met. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, no, 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 yeah, because I would also say, like, I mean, I. I mean, I have a lot of favorite foods, but I do feel like if I were to choose one, it would be like longanisa would definitely beat spam. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Any day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kapatid. Okay. So my last question for this section is if drama, if you were to have a TikTok dance challenge that would go super viral, what would the oh first God. what would the first move look like? And you have to show us. I don't know. I'm so horrible at dancing. My friends and I, when we were in college, we would party, go to like college parties and stuff. We would have one go-to move, which is mm-hmm. like, <laughs> which is like a water running down your chest or whatever, which is like that. I love it. To, 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 to what music? Just, just anything, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, just like EDM or like really bad. Like, oh yes. I it's supposed it. to be like a waterfall down your chest and it's like really sexy. And you, we would just like do that in like, some, like the random clubs. I love it. it, it I, I actually, <laughs> actually felt happy doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I miss my college friends so much. I have not seen them since I moved here. And, you know, if I, ever, if I ever see them again, I can't wait to do that dance move with them all over again. Wow. You know, actually, <laughs> that is also another question that I have in which, like, your experiences of, like, what made you leave? I mean, I mean, if it's safe to say, what made you leave your life? Mm-hmm. The Philippines had moved here in a bit. So, okay, Kapatid, we made it through the icebreaker questions. <laughs> so now, my first question for you is, who is Drama del Rosario? Hello, it's me. I am Drama Del Rosario. I am a documentary filmmaker. I am originally from Manila in the Philippines, specifically Quezon City, born and raised there. Um, Moved here to Los Angeles um, in 2017 to pursue documentary film, you know, seriously. When I was working in the Philippines, um, I you know, was working in fashion and beauty. And I really, really enjoyed that, you know, doing like features for online magazines and doing like nice tutorials and stuff. But I really, really wanted to pursue documentary filmmaking and nonfiction um, and tell like very intimate personal stories. And I feel like I couldn't really get that in the Philippines because most of the documentaries there are like journalistic kind of documentaries, um, which is cool, but it's just was it just was never my thing. I love stories that are personal. I love stories that, you know, are about the things that I've gone through in my own life and, you know, the things that I realize as I'm getting older. Um, And moving here to L.A. really gave me the opportunity to explore that um, professionally and artistically. And, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be recognized by BAFTA. I won a BAFTA grant in 2019. I won an award from from PBS last year. Uh, so, and, you know, just a bunch of other screenings all over the world and in the U.S. had the pleasure of screening at the uh, Chinese theater in Hollywood. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, doing nonfiction is mostly what I do. Uh, a lot of the films that I make are personal documentaries, which is, you know, putting myself um, not just behind the camera, but also in front mm-hmm. of the camera to share my own personal like confessionals and my own realizations in my own life. And, you know, I never, I never like actively try to make my documentaries like journalistic or like social issues and like, a, like tackling, like hard tackling, like certain like Never, issues. never I naturally just, like, about you or at least you, what you, what you, what you can actually offer. And bring right. So like, I never, like, I never, like, when I, when I start thinking of a documentary, I'm 
my mindset isn't really like what's a hot issue in this hot, world hot, that yeah, I can address yeah. or whatever. Like it, trying that, to like, save the world. Not, yeah, like that's not really like my how my mind works. I kind of just like mm-hmm. reflect on the things that I've gone through in my life and share them to other people. And from there, that's where those like um issues and like traumas and all of those things arise. And I'm j- I've just been very fortunate that other people could relate with them and have resonated with them. And I am just a sad boy making films. Honestly, that those are honestly that those are what my films are about. I'm mm. honestly just like a sad boy making sad films. Um, I I never really like in terms of how my mind works artistically. Mm. I'm less of like a journalistic kind of yeah. documentary filmmaker and more of just like a, like a r- songwriter. You know how songwriters like just like write about their breakups and just like mm-hmm. write yeah. songs about super personal things in their life. Feelings, That's kind of, yeah. Not like their feelings and all of the, uh, all of the heartbreaks that they've had. That's kind of how I approach making a documentary film. Yeah. You, you, you know, actually I like everything that you said, you know, especially the last part, because I really feel like that is definitely your brand, you know, and, and, and there is definitely something about um like really, leading into who you are, your own truth, your story, your narrative. And, and, you know, I'm sure you can agree with me. Like it's scary as hell. (laughs) It's scary as hell. But I think when you're able to position yourself to like, get just a little closer to it, to get a little deeper, to really speak from the heart, that's really when breakthroughs happen. Like Mm -hmm. everything that you just mentioned, Diba. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Kapatid. So we're actually going to take a big jump though. From okay. from uh actually oh wait no just kidding no wrong question just kidding I'm gonna cut this but that's okay. the next question okay just kidding <laughs> sorry okay okay Kapatid so I actually just always love to ask this question to my guest how did we meet we met at one of the events for um, San Diego Filipino Cinema I think I was screening um. In this family. In this family. I was screening in this family, which is my documentary about my coming out experience as a teenager in the Philippines. And you were there. Were you one of the people like organizing the event? Uh, I, I, or like covering I volu- the event or something like that? I was volunteering. Uh, wait. No, just uh, that night specifically, I, I was volunteering. Mm-hmm. I, I was like tabling. I was tabling. Yeah. Yeah. Because we because prior to the screening, we had like a panel. Um, yes, we, had a, yeah. we had like a we had like a you know filmmakers q a i was one of the five yeah. different filmmakers there and that was fun i love i love having little q a's and stuff yes me too <laughs> isn't it crazy i like if you really think about it that was like that and then i guess leading up to like uh the following year which was like last year the year of the pandemic mm. i just that was actually for me the beginning process of me starting to except like oh i'm really i'm really gonna go this route that is scary yet i feel like it's it's really what i want to do and like attending that um the two days actually of the movie screening and the, the i think the second the second night was yours um and then hearing the q a i was really really um grateful to be there because i know it was like like seeing someone who who's done it who's made it and then just kind of literally sharing from their heart and their experience you know so that was such a um, profound moment for me. 
after oh, also having you. this conversation, you know, like oh my gosh, that more than a lot. year later, you know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That means so much. That means so much. I love, I love doing panels, especially for uh, Filipino audiences and for Filipino communities. Because, mm. you know, I grew up in that community. So yes. whatever, you know, whatever, you know, tips I share or life experience that I share to um, the audience in the Q&A, like, they just get it more. Like they just get yes. it more because we, we grew up pretty much in the same kind of background. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially like the nuances and everything. Actually, mm-hmm. I was born in a Mandaluyong city, which is not that far okay. from Quezon City, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of that, now we're actually going to take a big jump into your childhood. So okay. what was, if, if I mean, I, I know it's probably been a minute, but how would you, dis- or what was drama like as a kid growing up? What was your childhood like? I'm curious. <laughs> That's so funny because literally today I posted a throwback photo of me as a kid. I was so ugly. Like I was like sad oh. virgin vibes. Oh my God. Oh my, look at that. Hui, hindi. What the heck? Oh my God. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was I as a kid? Um, I was always fond of social media and technology. I really, mm. you know, was fascinated with YouTube and like Windows Movie Maker and like <sighs> the rise of Facebook and all of, the, all of those mm. things. I would make like my own little YouTube show and have like 20 people watching it and all of that. And that's really how I got my start into like the technical side of filmmaking and even just like being more comfortable speaking to a camera yeah. and sharing my own personal thoughts. Um, I was very, I would always lock myself in my bedroom because at that time growing up, like my parents were very homophobic. Um, so I was very, very nervous that they would catch me in my bedroom dancing to some pop song or they would search through my computer history and find all of these like like dress up games and like whatever girly shit. Oh, yeah. Um so I was I would I would always lock myself in my bedroom and you know I <laughs> at I honestly, least I know honest... at, at least your room had a lock okay let's be honest at least your room had a lock okay because even um, when oh I moved my gosh. Here, yeah ex- oh my exactly God. like it's funny because even when I moved here like my first room before all the things and the things happened even now it's, it still doesn't have a lock, you know? Oh, my God. I literally cannot even imagine not having <laughs> a locked room. Now I do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, but honestly, growing up was... Yeah. Oh, I honestly, like, I downplay it a lot in my life right now. Mm. But I have so much trauma growing up mm. in the kind of environment that I grew I up in. I grew up in an all-boys school for 16 years of my life. Oh. Um, mm. And, you know, not the best environment necessarily honestly i didn't really grow up having a lot of friends because it was an all-boys school i was very unfortunate with the way um the classes were shuffled or rearranged and stuff because i barely ever ended up with another gay classmate unlike with other people in my year level they would always be like two or three of them in the same class i would always just like for some horrible reason would never end up with another gay person in my class Mm. um so growing up with um growing up like i did not really have a lot of 
friends and I always had like a sense of anxiety that my parents or my teachers were gonna scold fight me for fl- being gay. fight or flight yeah yeah no honestly be like, like being this. 12 years old being 12 years old and like dealing with homophobia is like that level of anxiety is not normal at all um and but yeah you know, that's what I grew up with yeah it's it's I mean yeah it's really the world that like enough enough of us in a community live with you know <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. I, I and, and the reason why I wanted to ask that too specifically is because I, at least from you know in this family, I definitely mm. know that like, at at least for me personally speaking, I can share some of that. Um, like I definitely resonate and share some of that experiences of just having to, just having like always having your guard up. And then, mm-hmm. like sooner than later, that I, I, it it starts to eat you. It's it can start eating you alive, if mm-hmm. you're not strong enough to, you know, kind of survive that. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my next my my next question is, I, I I know you briefly talked about like the the technology aspect of things. So um, can you actually like go more into details about like when you actually got started into creating films like when and what was it when and what was that experience like and i guess also in the end like and at what point now did you realize that oh there's really something in this this is what i want to pursue professionally yeah i think there are two things in my childhood and teenage years that really led up to me pursuing documentary film today the first one was really um you know, that fascination with technology and YouTube and editing software and whatever. My mom would take, when we were kids, my mom would take pictures all the time. My dad would take home videos all the time. Yes, and VHS. So, yes, VHS, Betamax and whatever. Like we would, um, like they would just film everything. And, you know, I was always really curious about like, okay, how can I piece this together and all of that. You know, started, you know, by watching my sister play around with the, uh, oops. Um, started with me observing my sister as she played or played around with her camera because she was older uh, by three years um, mm. and then started making little short films on PowerPoint um, mm. eventually moved on to like Windows Movie Maker and then started posting on social media and then the rest is um, history from there uh, wow. and I guess the next one um the next one that really contributed to me pursuing documentary films is that I watched a lot of reality reality TV as a kid. Honestly, watched so much reality TV as a kid. Like America's Next Top Model, Simple Life, Jersey Shore, Amazing Race, Survivor. Like literally all wow. of those reality shows, watched them all as uh-huh. a kid. Like my classmates would watch like violence and like sports and like all of those like shows. And I would just stay at home and like binge watch America's Next Top Model. And just like real life was so fascinating for me. Like as a... <laughs> as a gay boy in the Philippines watching American reality TV, like I was just so fascinated with how, you know, how interesting real life could, could actually be, whether it's scripted or not. I don't know. Um, But I was, it was just like really, really fascinating for me as a kid 
watching that. Also, like reality TV, if you think about it at that time, was really where I got my sense of diversity. Not necessarily mm. good representations, but reality <laughs> yeah. TV and like America's Next Top Model and like those shows was really where I would find like brown people, where I would find queer people, when I would find... Mm. You know, like people who were loud, people who I could identify with. Things that I never really got from like narrative shows growing up. Main mainstream. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, no, I'm not, actually I'm like, no, America's not. No, they were mainstream. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, so I, that's. Yeah. Just, just anyone, yeah. I guess, different from the norm, you know? Hmm. So like watching yeah. all of those like reality TV uh, and just seeing how interesting real life could be is what really drew me into um doing documentary films eventually would like make some documentary films for school projects and all of that. Um, and I, you know, they went really well and I thought it was really interesting and having that, that like stock knowledge of like how to edit a, a video and how, and like how nonfiction works in reality TV really helped me as a high school student making documentary films for school projects. And that's really, you know, where I got, um, where what paved the way for me realizing that nonfiction is really what I enjoy. Wow. What chat? I'm curious, what channel were they showing America's next top model? That is a good question. I don't recall. I honestly don't recall. Sometimes you would just illegally download them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know what? I, I, I mean, you, you, we, we got to get our foot somehow, you know, especially yeah, no, they would, before. They, they would, it would air on Philippine <laughs> TV and they would syndicate it, but it would be like one yeah. month late. So, yeah, but if yeah. you illegally downloaded it, you would like watch it like sooner. Yeah, exactly. Like one hour after it airs and then you wouldn't oh, get wow. like spoilers and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, especially what, what year was this? You said like 2009 like 2000s, like, 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. It's not crazy. That's crazy. That's like, that was more than a decade ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time. <laughs> but, you know, but also too, I think in what you were saying actually was like such a, like a glimpse of like the beautiful journey of like technology, but more so social media from, I guess, like, um, I would say mid 2000s up until I would say 2020. Like if you were to look at, uh, um, like all of that within that time frame, it's so different, you know, like mm-hmm. the realities were so different because what you just said about that, like that back then was like that in terms of like, it was so much harder for things like uh, the accessibility wasn't as accessible as it is now. Whereas mm-hmm. in 2021, anything that you want to look for, anything that you're, you know, looking for, like, I guess, even if you're in the Philippines, it's so much more accessible. It's yes. easy. I love yeah. it so much. And just like the level of comfort when it comes to sharing stuff. I remember like during the early uh-huh. ages of social media, people would be like so paranoid that if they post this picture, it would like this would happen and people would like steal their information and all of that. Yeah. But now like I feel very comfortable opening up and like sharing very personal things on social media. Um, yes. Things that I probably would not even like share like 15 years ago. So yeah. And, and you've also like, You've definitely made a career out of your vulnerability. (laughs) Honestly, true. I think about that all the time. Like, honestly, like, like I have honestly made a career out of me being a sad boy. (laughs) Yes. That's actually what I want to Yes. I mean, in in hindsight, I mean, you like position yourself so well. Actually, that's what I wanted to say the first time you mentioned that. I was like, 
and you also like capitalize on that, which I feel like, I mean, yes, yes, it sucks, you know, but I think, I feel like in my opinion, that's one of the best ways we can, I guess, deal and deal and heal. Wow, that rhymed. Deal and <laughs> heal with our with our own stuff. It's like when we use it to so true. Mm-hmm. give it back to the world. You know, it's like, yes, it's hard. Like what like what I mentioned earlier, but the power, like it's tremendous power. It's 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 there. I'm speechless, you know. Yeah, no, when I think about my films, like um like in this family, a lot of the homophobia and just like the trauma from that, you know, I making the film helped me process that. And even with I'm Okay, Neither Are You, which is my film about um, my own experience with mental health and sexual assault trauma. Like, had I not made that film, I probably would not have processed those things faster. Mm. And, you know, it it really helped me, like, gain a sense of comfort to talk about those very sensitive things, but also to just move on from it. Like, once you see your trauma and your life journey from the bigger picture in a 30 minute or like in a 20, 30 minute film, like you gain so much clarity and that helps you move on so much faster. Yes. Literally, metaphorically, like mm-hmm. a shift of perspective. Like, I guess you even like looking at it while experiencing it with the other people around you, experiencing mm-hmm. it, sharing visceral experience. You know, I think, I mean, yeah, it's hard, but also, I mean, I don't, I don't think I could see another, like, any more of a beautiful way to, you know, to be able to, like, find healing, hopefully even closure, you know, closures, you know? Definitely. Like, I think, I don't know if you feel this, but, like, growing up in the Philippines, I was, like, gaslit Mm -hmm. so much. Like, uh, like... Yes, ma'am. The trauma trauma of, like, growing up as a gay kid and, like, dealing with mental health and dealing with, like, sexual assault trauma and, like, you know, talking about what it's like you know, f- being in a relationship and all of that, like your worries, like my worries and my um, insecurities and all my traumas were so gaslit growing mm-hmm. up that yeah. finally having the opportunity to share them now and actually process that trauma is such a good feeling. And I, yeah. you know, I encourage other people to do that too. Even before we knew what gaslighting was, because when I found that out, I was like, right isn't it so relatable (laughs) like that's for me (laughs) you know yeah kapatid um i'm curious so i I know you just briefly mentioned about life in the philippines so actually um what made you decide to migrate immigrate uh here to the u.s and like leave your life behind I'm, i'm curious please share with us yeah, I mean, growing up with no friends really helped me leave things behind. Oh. <laughs> but you know honestly, okay. though, like, I, did, uh, okay. I didn't have, like, okay. I mean, like, I love my family and I do have friends in the Philippines, mm. but, like, oh. I, like, I, I always knew from, uh, from my childhood that, you know, eventually there was a time when I had to leave my hometown and actually pursue bigger things than I would have to, like, in a way, kind of, like, let go of those sentimental attachments to certain people but honestly like when I was when I was really thinking about it like you know I was I had graduated from college I was working full-time in a you know uh in beauty and fashion making videos for you know 
beauty apps and all of that. And while that was fun, like I, I knew I always wanted to do documentaries and nonfiction. And like I said earlier, if I were to pursue that in the Philippines, it would more, it would be more like news, which isn't really my thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, when I decided to um, move here, I was, you know, debating like different, you know, places in the U S and, and Los Angeles really made the most sense mm-hmm. to me and the kind of person that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I moved here and I'm happy that I did. And wow. I, I'm happy to be doing the kind of nonfiction work that I'm doing because I don't think it's something that I would be able to do necessarily in the Philippines. Yeah. Kapatid, um, you know, actually let me clarify that. Okay. So for those that are listening and we're like, and is wondering what does that mean? Kapatid means brother, sibling. sister, sibling, friend, like in, in all ways, right? In Tagalog, uh, which is remote Filipino. Um, I, okay, so um, super long story short, I guess I'm also at that crossroads is what I would mm. call it, you know, my life now. Like, did you, did you consider, did, like, did you consider any parts of the Philippines or did you just know that you just wanted to like, like, you know it's 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 so big right it's so big uh-huh. of a jump like because and and the reason why and i'm actually glad you mentioned that because i'm gonna tell you so like i've been asking for advice or I, not advice but i've just been talking about it with a lot of my close friends and the the majority of the answers that i've been getting i feel i feel like you know it's not supporting what i feel like i need and it's just like basically a lot of them are saying why why so far like why you know and 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 of course i think it's something that i really can't explain but it's something that i feel and the fact that you said that you know it's like that that's that's how i feel too you know but 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 why so big i'm curious and did you um consider any other options like areas in the philippines yeah, I honestly, like I wasn't even considering like other areas in the Philippines. I feel like if <laughs> if I was in, uh, <laughs> like no shade yeah, to like other areas yeah. in the Philippines. No, I like I, I I you know the 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 big TV stations and film companies were in Manila, um, mm-hmm. so that was a good thing. So it's either stay in Manila or move to another place. And I always thought to myself, if I am gonna move to another place, might as well go big. And by go big, I mean like go to like the center of the entertainment industry, which is L.A. Um, Because, you know, if I go to a different place, which kind of has its own little like maybe like film and movie industry or film and TV industry, it might still not be just as satisfying as moving to the actual like center, which is L.A. Um, And also just like, uh, you know, how just like the level of comfort with like being able to walk while walk with your partner while holding their hand, like that, that level of judgment is something that, you know, I was, I was always afraid of walk, you know, growing up in the Philippines and just moving to LA. Like those are things that I don't have to worry about. Um, I also really like telling people that I live in the same area as the Kardashians, which is like uh-huh. fun. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. All of those people. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I um, I uh, well, he lives in Thailand now. My mentor. Um, actually, I had him on the show. He invited me to his place in Malibu like years ago, and he was like, "Hey, Alan DeGeneres lives across this mountain," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> it's just like that, right? No big deal." 
<laughs> no, I miss the beach so much. Like uh, during this pandemic, I've missed the beach so much. And wow. I can't wait to be chilling in Malibu eating seafood when yeah. I'm fully vaccinated. So, okay, so you just really haven't been outside at all. like No, like I literally, but honestly, like I kind of like it. Like I, people think I'm a very social person. Ask someone, wait, hold on, wait, ask someone that that's (laughs) it. They grew up being locked in their room, you know, like probably. Yeah, no. Homebody, especially (laughs) especially being in your own space. I mean, Mm -hmm. if that's the case for me, I'd be home all the time too. But since I can't, I'm not. Yeah, no, you're right. That that actually like makes so much sense to me now, and I can't believe I'm only realizing <laughs> it at this very moment. Growing up locked up in my bedroom has prepared me for COVID-19. quarantine 2020, 2020. No, but like people think that I'm like so outgoing and like so social, and like I love like going to like events and like getting to know people, which is kind of true. But also like I love, I just love staying at home and doing nothing. I work so hard. And I have a busy schedule, but I love doing nothing at home and just chilling on the couch and scrolling through my phone and eating food. Like I, I, um, like I, I love being in lockdown. Honestly, I love staying at home. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm so appreciative of you for saying that because like, I, I, um, I mean, would you, would you say, I mean, it, in, you're an introvert, like more introverted than not, right? I don't know. Cause I do that. What do you call that test? The Meyer Briggs, Myers Briggs test and whatever. And <laughs> my they extrovert, call you extroverted? So like my extrovert and introvert always like my, so there are four letters, right? My three yeah, other letters yeah. are always consistent, but my extrovert and introvert are always fluctuating. It's always in the middle. It's either like 45%, 55%, whatever. And, and it's oh, wow. always in the middle. it jumps from here and there. So mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the reason why I bring that up is because um, uh, you know how like the last two times that we've seen each other, or I guess the only two times we've seen each other at the <laughs> SDFC events, we'd always go out and and you'd like, oh, thank you, we can't join. I'm like, I can. Do that. <laughs> that is a mood, okay? Just want to go home after a long day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can relate to that. I no, that is that. so like, me. Honestly, that's so me. That's also my boyfriend. Like both of us are just like, oh my god, when is this no. party gonna end? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I I'm 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 the same. I'm the same way, except I guess when if I need to pull it off, I pull it out. Like to really be out there, I have to. But in the end, I'm so tired. <laughs> I am. Oh my god! Like my body cannot handle. It's also because like I really used to overwork myself when I was in high school and college. Yeah, like, I was just like such a like it, like offensively hardworking student. Like I like gave no shits about my free time and my rest time. And like, I just Mm. did not care about the effects of that on my body. And now that Mm. I'm older, I finally feel the effects of that. And I'm just like, I cannot, like I cannot be partying. I cannot be drinking as much as I did when I was 18 (laughs) years old. I just cannot. I need a couch and I need to like pillow and I need to lie down by like, (laughs) TV running. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I cannot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what you, okay. So before we move on to, before we finally move on to our next question, I actually love this. <laughs> what you just said, actually, um, I'm realizing I'm reflecting, I'm learning like being a hard worker or I guess overworking or the fine line of that, right. Mm-hmm. Is also a form 
of a trauma response. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is. Uh Yeah, no, I was in a clubhouse talking about this like a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like growing up in the Philippines, the amount of homework that they would give us and just like so they so our school had this like bulletin board with a calendar of the upcoming major tests or exams that are coming up. And there was literally like one every single week, not including the like the essays that we had to write and all the other research papers that we had to write. So we were very, very um, overworked students. Mm. And it never really occurred to us at that time. Well, to me, it never really occurred to me at that time just how overworked we really were. And I graduated from school. Yeah, I like aced this test and I wrote this research paper and whatever, but like I never had the time to develop relationships with my family, to develop relationships with friends. I was tired all the time. Um, and also self, you know, with yourself. And with yourself and just like yeah. it, 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 and, you know, having that, lack of a work-life balance is what contributes to people being so like complacent with working overtime and like not getting paid and like not getting paid for overtime work and you know just working after hours like I really like I respect my own work-life balance so much like I like once I clock out I clock out and I drop every professional thing and just rest like I that division for me matters so much and I wish I fostered that when I was younger as a student yeah but you know what I mean I I, it's definitely one of those things that like yes in hindsight it's like you know you were just surviving you were just doing what you knew you know but at the same time I feel like the realization would not be the same if we hadn't gone through that. You know, it wouldn't be like the, like, oh no, I definitely can't. Unless if you just like literally like jump into the water and like almost drowned and like, no, I'm not doing that again because I almost drowned, you know? Literally yeah. like every day I, 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 some random like childhood teenage memory pops up in my head <laughs> of me living in the Philippines. And I was like, oof, that contributed to my trauma today. And I don't even realize it. Wow. So. <laughs> think about that a lot honestly yeah uh how old are you guess just kidding i am 26 years old actually no i'm just i'm just 18 i'm 18 ah. years young 26, <laughs> 26. you've done so much you've done so much like professionally oh, and it sounds like too like definitely growth wise because kapati that 26 well let's <laughs> say at 25 25 was really when like that journey of like <laughs> you know that parang like started and I, I just turned 29 so but I will definitely have to say that like well I guess your 20s in general but I guess the last half I think is more so definitely the, the more important parts you know of, of your growing is because you really start to you either go this or either you stay where you're at and go this way or you actually make a decision to really grow and to really you know be like my my life deserves better. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna go this way, diba? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. How was your um? How was your experience like? Uh, um, how was your experience settling here? 
Like, were you like, were you homesick a lot, or or were you just like, ah, oh, finally? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm curious. Honestly, I was like, ah, oh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> right answer. There you go. Just what it sounds like you were gonna say. Because like, you know, so much like helicopter parenting and so much micromanagement back home in the Philippines, and just like have my own sense of freedom to like manage my own money, manage my own time, hang out with whoever I want to hang out um, <laughs> and not have like, <laughs> like just like the, the thought of my parents hovering <laughs> over me yeah. feels so good. I feel like I grew up so much. And honestly, one of the best mm-hmm. things that I think a parent, and, and I mean this specifically for Filipino families, one of the best things that a Filipino parent can do to their Filipino child is just to be so hands off. Like, I feel like there's so much helicopter parenting going on. And just to, like, let your kids, like, live their life and make mistakes and explore their own um, explore their own identity yeah. is just one of the best things that a parent can do. I feel like so many, like, I feel like, I feel that with my parents, I feel like, you know, they overcompensate so much. Um, and they feel like they're doing so well. Like, this is what a parent should do. Like, a parent should be helping you do this. It should be teaching you to do this. And you don't do it. I'll do it for you. And, like, all of that. And they feel, and I feel like they're overcompensating for their parenting so much. But sometimes that, you know, does a negative effect. Like, I appreciate it and I'm thankful for it. But having the opportunity to learn things for yourself and to make mistakes is so is so nice and that's really what i loved um when i moved here like it was so relieving for me to have that freedom yes yeah and you know what you just said exactly and like the other parts i think for me is my really the reason why i myself wanna like i i i want to move back home you know Mm -hmm. and um you know that trying to explain that to my friends who are I mean also Filipino, but actually one, and I think you, uh, I think you met him, Rich, uh, at the event. But um, he, he was he's also like a, a first gen, you know. But yeah, I just, you know, I I, I guess for me, um, if 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 I knew that I was gonna stay here, I would know, you know. But I don't, and it's been twenty years since we've been here, and it's still twenty years of like, like the what ifs, you know. It, it's it's it's. Like, I really felt like I left my heart there. And even 20 years later, I'm like, it, that still feels very true, you know? So, you know, you sharing that, just just knowing, even like, even like even if you couldn't explain it, you just know. And that's what your gut is. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed, you, you're not supposed to be able to explain it, but you're just supposed to know, you know? Mm-hmm. So, wow. thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I love that. I love that oh, so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, actually, let me look at my next question. Hold on. Sorry, I got it. I have a couple more questions for you. Um, let's see. Okay, let me let me get my act together. <laughs> and then yeah, I have right, a <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, thank you so much again for your time. I've really been enjoying this so far. And um yeah. we're actually getting ready to like kind of start wrapping up too. So Okay, cool. Uh, okay, so my friend, so now that you've immigrated here for you know however long you have, uh, since since you said 2017, right? Mm-hmm. September 2017 yeah. is when I started my master's degree. So I moved here for my uh, master's. Yeah, uh, nice, so, nice. And 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 you did you you graduated right? Yeah, I graduated in 2019. Nice. 
Um, what was your first professional uh, project as a documentary filmmaker? And what was that experience like? Yeah, I would say the first really big one that really hit it off in the professional world was In This Family. So In This mm-hmm. Family was a was actually one of my first major projects in my um in my masters when i took my masters in documentary film um the the assignment was called a personal voice film mm. during our first semester and basically the concept of that project is as a documentary filmmaker you are asking other people to open up and share their deepest darkest secrets on camera and we the teachers want you as documentary filmmakers to experience that yourself to be in the cam- in front of the camera share your own life story and your life secrets so that when you're the one doing the interviews of other people you know what it feels like mm-hmm. and so you know i was sitting with a writing instructor and we were going around the class you know asking each other like what is the biggest most defining moment in your life that could be turned into a documentary and I was so horrified because I knew exactly what that was, which is me coming out to my parents or me being outed by my teacher to my parents when I was in seventh grade. Um, and, you know, I shared that to the entire class and, you know, I told them, you know, I, I'm gay. And my teacher outed me when I was grade seven, um, grade seven or seventh grade. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When I was in seventh grade. Um, uh, and you know that has that has affected my life so much and then my teacher asked um you know what do you have right now that will help tear that will help tell that story in the form of a film and then I remembered that in my you know in my drawers back home in my apartment is a hard drive of all my childhood memories and in and one of those memories mm. was a recording that that I had did, that I had done when I was uh, a teenager coming out, um, because my parents would yell at me all the time. They would yell at me all the time, and so I thought to myself, "Hey, you know, I had just gotten my first ever phone or first ever iPhone." I thought to myself, "Hey, wouldn't it be fun if I slipped my phone into my pocket <laughs> and just record them yelling at me, like just for fun?" At that time, at that time, like no oh. intention whatsoever of turning it into a film. Just that's an evidence right there. Mem- evidence. <laughs> just recording it for like memory's sake. Oh, and then, you know, so when my writing instructor asked that, I remembered, oh my gosh, I have those recordings. I literally had those recordings for 10 years, have listened to it only like once or twice over the course of 10 years. Um, and that's really what drove the uh, the creation of that film. Um, you know, wow. just listening to those audio recordings all over again and just reliving that experience and just seeing how much our family has grown, learning about, you know, sexuality and homophobia and all of that um learning about all of that and seeing how much my family has grown over the course of 10 years yeah 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 i, and first I was of very all, fortunate yeah go ahead oh go, okay so go go ahead sorry go yeah no i, I was just yeah. i was just gonna say that i've been very fortunate that you know this story of me coming out has resonated with so many people usually you know the lifespan of a documentary film is like one to two years um mm. if it's bound to a certain like social issue or bound to a so- certain like hot thing that's happening in the world right now but yeah. you know a lot of people have said that in this family is very timeless and it really you know resonates it is. the times yeah. and i've been so fortunate that the film is still 
going strong five years after I've made it, um, five years after I've made the film. So I've just been very fortunate. I'm glad that people are still resonating with, with the story. Yeah. Um, Okay. So my next question is, um, which actually is perfect because being someone who is part of the LGBTQ plus community and definitely um, someone who's definitely done, um, who's been a, how do I, uh, excuse me. Let me ask that question again. Hold on. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, because I was trying to say mental health advocate, but I couldn't. I was like, blah, blah, blah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kapatid. So, um, you know, being someone who is part of the LGBTQ plus community and someone who's also, you know, been been an advocate for mental health, how would you say that those two have, you know, helped shape your your works in general? Yeah. Honestly, I've just been so lucky, especially moving here to LA, to have found a boyfriend. We're neighbors. Friends. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to just have found like a boyfriend yeah. and like friends and just a support system who encourages me getting help and me mm. processing my trauma, which is something that I never really got in the Philippines because everyone in the Philippines is just like, no, don't talk about that. Or just like, yeah. that doesn't matter. Push, like, push, put, put, put under the rug. Exactly. Under the rug. Exactly. Yeah. So like, um, you know, the fact that there are people, that there are queer people around me and that there are people who are very open about their own struggles with mental health, the fact that they're around me is just like very encouraging and very very helpful and helps me open up more in the art form that I do. Um, And even outside of making a film, just like um, processing my own thoughts and being comfortable with um, me sitting down alone with my own emotions um, Mm. has been very, very helpful. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I think we are down to the last, I'm like, I think, Two to three more questions. Um, okay, so my next question for you is for 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 anyone that is uh, either watching or tuning in, listening. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are some uh, advices that you can give to anyone that is interested in um, either being a documentary filmmaker or just, I guess, just being a, a filmmaker in general? Well, no, actually, no. Just kidding. No, we're gonna. I think for this one, I want to, because you are specifically a documentary filmmaker, um, Mm -hmm. what are some tips and advices that you can give to anyone who specifically wants to take the same route as you creating documentaries, my friend? Yeah, you know, and this is going to apply for both nonfiction and fiction. Um, (laughs) Really pay attention to your story and how your characters or characters or the real people that you feature in your in your work really pay attention to how they grow in your own in the story that you're telling i feel like as a for 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 me personally you know as a filmmaker starting out i was so caught up in good camera angles and this fancy camera and this editing software and like color grading and aesthetic and all of that mm-hmm. um which is very important but you know nothing can ever replace a good story like really pay attention to the roller coaster of emotions and the growth that the characters in your film have like you know it can't always be sad it can't always be happy the best films are a mixture of are a mixture of happiness and sadness the best films are the ones that can make you laugh and cry at the same time so really really pay attention to that in your films um and 
fancy equipment and aesthetics and color fancy color grading all of that will come all of that will come but nothing will ever ever replace um the human emotional journey that you're you're telling yeah thank you you know actually i i i have one can i can i just ask like uh, can i add one more question because i totally forgot that i know go ahead Uh, yeah okay okay and i'm actually gonna put this in between because Mm. i don't even know why i forgot to ask you like what goes into your like like how do you even create like what goes into creating your works you know, your, yeah, your documentary that's, that's gone so well. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a that's a that's a good question. You know, I, I was talking to one of my documentary filmmaker friends, um, and you know, the best documentaries, the best documentary subjects that have really worked for me are the ones that have just naturally landed on my lap or were there in my life all along. Like I've tried making documentaries where I go out, research a topic, you know, chase a news headline and all of that. And sometimes (laughs) they work for me, but like the best documentary films have always been the ones that just are things that I think about on a regular basis, such as growing up as a queer kid, such as my own mental health. You know, when I was making being I'm Filipino, okay, yeah, you, being Filipino, when I was making I'm okay and neither are you, um, like I had, you know, come up with other ideas for documentary films, like this current event or this, you know, scandalous thing that happened in society <laughs> or whatever. But I could just could not get out of my head this traumatic mm-hmm. experience that I had went through. And I knew that while it was uncomfortable for me to share that story, making a film about it would help me and maybe even help other people, um, specifically from the kind of gay Filipino perspective that I have. Um, Those kinds of stories aren't necessarily available from the kind of perspective that I have or that you have. Um, So, you know, that's, that's really my process, just like really digging into myself and really thinking about what matters to me and what are things that I mm. unconsciously think about in my, in my everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you said exactly, I feel like as cliche as it is, it's really like the recipe, right. To, mm. you know, good storytelling success. I mean, well, I mean, what is success, but you know what I mean? Like to brilliant, you know, like creating brilliant works, like you've done, and yeah. also too, like I, I will have to say that I, that is definitely your brand. And from you know some some of the works that I've seen with you, it's like I, I feel like I haven't seen anyone really tackle this topic of LGBT and Filipino together in a way that is that that is yours. You know, even though like it is in your own voice, like watching you know seeing some of them i was like you know like the the re- the the, re- the resonating in that is so strong and i just personally haven't seen any other people do it the way that you do as it should be you know so yeah yeah you know i find myself at the intersection of you know being a queer person and being a brown person and being filipino and being in a relationship with uh being in a relationship with someone and being a non us citizen and all of that mm-hmm. um and all of those little things about me just come together in the in the very personal films that I make and you know these personal things they just hit different they just really really hit different and yeah. you know I, I I always 
make that a driving force in the films that I make. And like I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, my thought process as an artist really is kind of like a heartbroken songwriter <laughs> kind of thought yeah. process as opposed to like a journalistic kind of like Adele. Kind of there you go. Yes. Oh my God. Like Adele. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Adele. And all the other people. Capatito. Okay. So we are down to our closing question. Cool. Thank you again for being here. I'm, I'm, I'm really touched. I'm really, really touched. Um, so my final question for you is what is the legacy that you would like to leave behind? Oh, that is a great question. Honestly, um, by the way, just jumping back when you said Adele, like one of my, is <laughs> <laughs> like drum Adele Rosario. Anyway, whatever. Wait, 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 hold on. Say it again. So say, say that again. Hold on. Sorry. Say, drum, say that again. <laughs> drum Adele Rosario. Drum Adele. Like Adele, the songwriter? Drum Adele. Okay, if we're going to end it this <laughs> no, up. No, no, no. no <laughs> you're good. Good. Anyway, okay, to answer no, you're your good. question. No, you're good. I, I'm, <laughs> thank you. So thank you. I'm, 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 not gonna, I'm not good when people tell me jokes. I'm like... Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, what was the question? Um, <laughs> no. What was the question again? <laughs> I feel like I killed the oh, moment the legacy, by not the legacy. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> the, the legacy of the... Uh, um, one thing that I really want to make eventually with my personal films is to kind of make an anthology of the mm. things that I've gone through in my life in this family, my coming out story being chapter one, I'm okay, neither are you, which is about, you know, mental health, tr mental health, sexual assault trauma and being in a relationship would be like chapter two. And then down the line in my life, chapter three, chapter four, so that when I die, there would be this anthology of different little journeys that I've had throughout my life. Um, for me as a documentary filmmaker, you know, a lot of documentary filmmakers are very like National Geographic Animal Planet where they go off this far off land and like explore the nature and like the cultures in these like far off exotic communities. And for me, the journey hasn't always been geographical and it's more of a temporal journey or like a journey through time. And yeah, so making an anthology of just like little short personal films that'll bear fruit once I'm older is something that I'd really like to do and is a mark that I want to make in the field of nonfiction. Wow. Parang ano, parang uh, that reminded me of uh, Moira De La Torre. Actually, I don't see her too. You know, mm -hmm. another version of like you and Adele. Literally <laughs> writing her like heartbrokenness turned it into successful works, chapters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yay, Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, actually, I, I actually thought about the joke <laughs> while you were talking. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm so late. I, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, so before we end this, uh, uh, any projects? Where can people find you? What can we like... Uh, future projects we can look forward from you this is the time share go plug yeah so all of my updates will be on my website dramadelrosario.com or on instagram which is dramadelrosario um, i always you know post any upcoming screenings and all of that um 
I might have some screenings for I'm okay, neither are you later on this year, but you know, bound by the coronavirus. We'll see how that goes because film festivals, you know, are either going to be virtual or in person. We don't know yet. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for updates. Um, in this family is available on PBS platforms, including the PBS app, the PBS YouTube channel. Um, the PBS website. So if you want to watch that short documentary, it's available for free. So feel free to watch it. Um, And I am executive producing a documentary style narrative short film, which will be premiering this April. And I'm really excited about that. More details to come. Um, And I'm just so excited for people to uh, see this film and to get more screenings. You know, once the coronavirus has been (laughs) settled, I'm so excited to go to screenings again and do panels and do red carpets and all of that. I miss that. I miss that aspect of my life so much. So I'm also executive producing a documentary style narrative film called Synonymous With, directed by Tom Hilton, who is a wonderful new filmmaker who I met at Outfest Fusion at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, um, I, th- I believe two years ago. And he's just so passionate about filmmaking and I really resonated with him. So I'm executive producing his first short film. Um, And yeah, so excited. That's going to be popping up in film festivals also throughout the year. So stay tuned. Um, All updates will be on my Instagram page, Drama Del Rosario, or on my website, dramadelrosario.com. Yes, y'all. Y'all better take notes. He is always active on social media. Every single day. I, I live for it. I live for it. Yay, kapatid. We, we did it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Maraming maraming salamat. And it's Thank funny you. Because, no, you're welcome. It's funny because, well, prior to getting here was a little bit of a struggle bus. But I think <laughs> we we not only survived, we conquered. I mean, I... With these interviews, I actually, like, besides my questions, I just never know which direction it's going to go. So I think that is like really the best parts about doing this because I feel like sometimes I'm like the way the person is, I'm like, okay, I'll have an idea. And then sometimes it just goes like this and I'm like, mm. okay. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Well, so I did this. thank you for inviting me. I'm really glad I did this. Yes. Yeah, so I'm really glad that we finally did it. So this is soul supremacy where we talked about all things or most things unapologetic, all things, passion and in pursuit of, and thank you all. Thank you all again for tuning in. You know, this this project really means a lot to me. Um, Drama, thank you again. And we will see you next Friday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. This podcast show is a product of Studio Penguino. For more information about advertising, please visit www.adrianpenguino.com.